it's one of those jokes that you have to wait till the end to actually get the joke. Kind of drags along, you're like, oh, what? Are we going somewhere with this thing? They have a name for those, and I don't remember what it's called. The, the smoking gun or the, I don't remember what it's called. But anyways, not, not uh, uh, anything to do with the lesson. But go ahead and turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Today we're going to be looking at considering his omnipotence. Omnipotence. Uh, we've, we've seen it in a couple different uh, situations already when Christ uh, calms the sea in the storm. Uh, his, his power is shown there when he uh, tells Nathaniel where you were at. I knew where you were at underneath the fig tree. He shows his power there. Uh, but in John chapter 11, it kind of settles everything. Uh, it, it reveals uh, that Christ has all the deity. Uh, in, in chapter 8, verse 58, we see Jesus standing and saying, Before Abraham was, I am. Uh, God, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and, and sadly, even through all his miracles and everything he had done, uh, so far, there were still skeptics. Still people that were still believing that he might be a good teacher, he's a good, maybe a good prophet, but he's not, he's not God. He's not God in the flesh. But here in chapter 11, we, we, we see that Jesus removes all doubt. Uh, and to the point where if anybody does still doubt, nobody has an excuse. Uh, you're there, chapter 11. Go ahead and verse, uh, well, we'll start in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her, sis and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which, was not, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, whom thou lovest is sick. When, the, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Anytime, a uh, little illustration, anytime you go to, on a plane or a flight, AJ, you just got back from flying and stuff, when you go there, it's always, um, when, you're, when you're boarding the plane, the first thing that you're thinking is, I hope I'm in a, either an aisle or the window. Wh which one am I? And then you're wondering, who's the person that's going to sit next to me? Uh, uh, are you going to get somebody that isn't going to speak a word to you? Or you get somebody that wants to tell you everything about them. Uh, and, and it varies. And this, this specific point here is uh, there was a seminary professor that got into this airplane, sat down to this little boy, and uh, saw that this boy had... Uh, his Sunday school paper. Must have been Sunday, and they, he was reading it, and he, he asked the little boy, young man, if you can tell me God can do, I'll, bring, I'll give you this shiny apple. And the boy pondered and, and thought for a minute and gave him this better proposition. Sir, if you can tell me something God cannot do, I'll give you a whole barrel full of apples. That's what we see here happen in John chapter 11. God shows 
that he's omnipotent, that he doesn't have anything that is limiting his power. Uh, but why did he have to show his omnipotence? Uh, what purpose does raising Lazarus from the dead do? Why did he have to do so many miracles? Two things I want to look at first is we, we see here it's because of bringing glory to the Father. There in verse uh, verse 4 at the end, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the first reason why He does all these miracles is to give glory to God, to bring glory to Himself. The second thing is for the purpose to show people who he is and to get people to believe on him. And though miracles uh, validated his claim, sadly still people still didn't uh, believe him. Uh, John 20, 30 uh, says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and the, that believing ye might have through life, through his name. So I want to look at three things of why Jesus, what, what, what was the point of Bethany? What was the whole point of Lazarus dying? And I want to look at three of those things. His purpose of going to Bethany, his power, and his passion. Let's pray and we'll get into the lesson. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for uh, this morning, for being able to be in your house, uh, for being able to wake up and be here. Lord, I pray that you uh, be with the lesson, be with the words that I say. I pray that your name be lifted up and that uh, we, we see the, the importance, the, the, the high power that you hold, the all power that you hold. And I pray that we uh, see that today in this lesson and, and realize that we, we serve and we're saved by the one that owns and controls it all. I pray that you be lifted up today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Look there in verse, uh, we'll go to, where did I stop? Oh, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister Laz and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he saith to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and thou goest thither, thou thither again? Jesus answered, And are, not there tw are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if any man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of, it, out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. The news that came to Christ uh, that Lazarus was sick unto death. Uh, I think it was very much a, hey, you better come quick. I don't know how much longer Lazarus is going to last. 
Uh, I don't think it was, hey, Lazarus got a sniffle. You might want to come take care of this sniffle. And so Jesus was like, oh, he's got a sniffle. It'll be okay. I got two days. No, I, I, I believe that when, when they sent the word of, hey, Lazarus is sick, I think it was very much a, hey, you better come quickly because there's not much time left. If you're going to do something, come quickly. And Martha and, and Mary definitely sent it to the, the word to Christ uh, for the hope of him coming and healing Lazarus. Uh, they'd see him heal all these others. Uh, so they, they definitely thought, all right, well, we just need to get Jesus here and he'll heal him and we'll be all good. We'll get out of this hospital bed or out of his house. Uh, but Christ had a different purpose for this. Uh, we see that it was delayed there in verse 6. When he had heard there, uh, therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. By the time Jesus made it to Bethany, Lazarus had already died. Uh, and, and honestly, Mary and Martha thought all hope was lost. It, it was done. Why did you even come now? Uh, you're, you're, you're late. But Christ never delays on his time. God's timing, just because it's delayed, is never just meaning no. There, there's a yes to a request, there's a no to a request, and there's a wait. And in this instance, Christ waits. Waits for Lazarus to die. Uh, often we get weary to the point of, of wanting you know, the trials that we're going through to be done. Uh, God, you, you, you just... Earlier, you were in the boat, and the storm was going on, and you said, peace be still, and it was silent, and the glass sea was glass. That's what I want you to do to this. Just take it all away. Just be done. But here we see him take a trial and wait two days. But it, it wasn't on Mary and Martha's timetable. It was on God's timetable. Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. See, when, when God decided when Jesus was going to be born, when this all was going to take place, the Bible says, when the fullness of time was come. We, we, for, for the years and years, 400 years between Malachi to Matthews, the Jews were asking and waiting for that time. Could God have sent Jesus at any point in time in that years? Yes. Could God have waited until now? Yes. But God's timing was perfect. Think, think, of, think of what all happened in that time period. Rome. All the roads went to all the different cities. Uh, you, you had a whole infrastructure that made it possible once Jesus died and the disciples were sent out, they could be sent out to the whole known world at that time. Think of all God knew ahead of time, and yet they were wishing and praying for Christ to come, their Messiah to come now. We want him to come today. But God had a different plan. God has a purpose and plan and a timing that doesn't line up with our timing. And just like he came the first time in the perfect time, he's going to come the second time in his perfect time. Whatever you're waiting on, 
trials, problems, issues that you have, just have faith that God's not just leaving you out there. God's got a timing for why he's having to wait. Why he's having you wait. Why, why don't we have a building? Why, why are we in this limbo spot? We, we, we thought we had one, and then that fell. And then we thought we had another one, and that fell. God, I, you, you got to do something. We, I mean, we don't know when they're going to say, hey, you got to be out of here. You got to... God's not worried about that. God's got his own time. It's not our time, it's his time. But it was delayed, and it was also deliberate. The main purpose for man, for us as Christians, is to glorify God. Uh, every trial that he sends our way and puts us through, including the tragedy, tra- well, that's, there's a word I should have practiced, tragedy that we see here in John uh, chapter 11, God had a purpose. Uh, you're there in chapter 11, just turn back to chapter 9. Consider the man that, uh, that we read here in chapter 9, who is blind his whole life. Chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but the, that the works of God should be made manifest. See, we, a lot of times we go through life and we think of, why did this person get this disease? Or why, why are they going through this? Oh, they must have done something. And, and yes, could Christ, could God give you a trial in your life to get you back on the right track? Yeah. Could it be a punishment to get you back in fellowship with him? Yes. But it always doesn't have to be. God gives difficulties in someone's life, and a lot of times it's in people that you kind of go, why, why them? I mean, they're, they're, they're the most faithful person. They're, they're, they're the most uh, spiritual person. They, they, they give God the most glory. They, they don't take any uh, uh, credit for anything. They, they always put God first, and yet God puts them through a trial, and we go, why? Why, why of everybody? I can think of some other people that you might want to put on through this trial versus this person. But sometimes it's, it's because God wants to make them stronger and he knows that putting them through this trial is going to bring him the most glory. God allows trials in our life so that he can be glorified in this world. Uh, you, you talk about uh, different situations. When... when Take Daryl, for instance, going through cancer and coming out of cancer. Now he has some, something that he can tell. Now he has something that he can proclaim and glorify God with and be able to show and tell others, look what God did. That's why we all go through different issues. That's why we all go through different things. And so that way, when, when you meet somebody going through the same thing, and they go, wow, how... Man, I, I, I lost it all when I went through this trial. I, I, I broke down. I became depressed. I didn't go to church. How, how are you able just to keep going? It gives you the opportunity to tell them about it. Tell them that it's not me. It's through Christ. It's through his power. It's through his, 
peace and grace that he giveth. That's how it gets me through the trial. That's the point of why we go through these things. And that's why Jesus allowed Lazarus to go through this. It was deliberate. Tom Malone used to say this, when God is going to do something wonderful, he starts with the difficult. When God is going to do something miraculous, he starts with the impossible. Christ is not fulfilling his, this purpose, this uh, going and raising Lazarus just out of duty for his father alone, but he did it. There was, there was more about service. There, there was something personal about this. You're there, verse uh, chapter 11. Turn back over to chapter 11. Uh, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It was personal. It wasn't just, hey, there's just some random person here that's sick and dying. We want you to come. Jesus knew Lazarus. Jesus, it says that he loved him. He loved his whole family. There, there was something that we see here that we don't see in the other healings. We don't see in the other raising from the dead. There was a connection that Christ had specifically with Lazarus. Uh, verse 17 of chapter 11. Then, was, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said, and when she had so said, she went her away and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And the Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then, while, then when Mary was come, and come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, unto him, Lord, come and see. And the easiest verse that we all memorize as a kid, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused this, that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaned in himself, cometh to the grave. 
it was a cave and a stone had lain upon it. This, act, this specific account was long, but it, it gives us a, a look into the, uh, the, the passion, the, the, the emotional side of Christ. He loved Lazarus, and, and it shows us that we have a high priest that understands. The Bible says he, there in Hebrews 4.15, for, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He loved Lazarus. And, and we see over twice it talks about that Jesus groans in the spirit and he weeps over this. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew it wasn't going to be, well, it's gone for now. He's, he's dead. It's done and over. I'm just going to weep because of him leaving. No, he groaned and he wept because he saw what sorrow it puts on people. He, he understands what we're going through. And that's, that's the biggest part about Christ is you look at uh, all the other different types of religions. You look at Mohammed and and Buddha and uh, all these different types of religions that have their own person of purpose or their, their high priest or whatever you want to call it. And, and it sounds like that. It's, they're, they're there. They don't know what I'm going through. They, they're, they're just a God. They don't care about us. They don't understand what we go through. But the Bible says that we have a high priest that understands what we go through. And this specific account shows us that. It shows that Jesus wasn't just, where is he at? All right, come on, get out of the grave, Lazarus. It meant something to him. God was, at, at this, Jesus was not just 100% God, he was 100% man. He had those feelings. He, he could feel pain. He could feel hurt. He could feel sad. And the Bible talks about groaning in the spirit. God understands what you're going through. We, we have somebody that's not just a God that's up there that just takes care of everything and that's it. And we don't have any connection. He doesn't understand what we're going through. He can take care of the issues and, and heal us and, and raise somebody from the dead, but he just doesn't understand what having somebody die means. Christ does. We, we don't have hope in somebody that just happens to control it all. We have somebody that, uh, a, a God that understands how we feel, understands the hurt that trials goes through. He understands that, and, and it's a painful thing. There, Martha states, verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. Jesus didn't forsake his friend. He didn't give up. He just didn't, oh, I got hung up for two days. He didn't just, eh, well, he'll be fine. I'll get there when I get there. He, he didn't just do it for his own purpose. He did it to glorify God, and he did it to show his disciples and those around him what power he had. It, it was to help people to grow. Why do we go through certain temptations and trials and stuff? It's, yes, at the end, hopefully we can give God the glory, but it's also to get us to grow. It's to get us to, to understand we can lean on him and trust him. 
You cannot love people and serve them like Christ without experiencing the pain that they have. That's what Christ is showing here. Jesus' passion was painful, and it was also personal. Uh, Lazarus was a dear friend. We'll skip some verses here. Jesus loved him very much uh, to the point where he was more than just an f- just a acquaintance. He was a friend. Jesus talks about that he loves them. And a friend is not just you know, somebody that, oh man, I'm sorry you're going through that. I'll pray for you. No, they, 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 they empathize with you. They, they, I think I'm using the right word there, empathizing. They feel the pain that you're going through. They, they cry and weep with you. They rejoice when you're going through great things. Just like Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Consider his care. The creator, God, wept because of this. The, the one that controlled it all, the one that put it all in motion, the one that spoke it all into existence, is standing there and weeping. Think of that. that that's not a, a statue of a God that just pray to me and I'll, I'll heal you. There's a relationship there that Christ wants to have with you because he's not just up there, mighty God, almighty, and, and there's, a, there's a space between us. He wants to be a personal God to you. He understands grief. Isaiah said it perfectly in 53.3. He said, He, talking about Jesus, is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. His purpose and passion at Bethany were were obvious. We see that now. Uh, Mary and Martha didn't see that. But we can, but he didn't leave it there. He didn't just come when, when to glorify God, and he didn't come just to empathize with Mary and Martha and show us that he understands their sorrow. He doesn't just leave it there. He shows his power as well. Verse 23, Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Jesus tells Martha that Lazarus is going to rise again. He's bringing him hope. When you're going through problems and trials in your life, hope is probably the highest power that, that God gives you. Don't, don't lose hope going through the trial you're do, going through. Yes, Martha mistakes and un- thinks that he's just talking about, hey, Lazarus is going to rise again. Yeah, Lord, I understand that. When, when you come back and when the resurrection of the saints, I get that. I, I understand he's going to rise. No. He's going to rise today. Christ gives the hope that only Christ can give. And then there's power in hope. D.L. Moody, when he first took ministry and became a pastor, he did his first uh, uh, funeral service. And so he, he wanted to make it you know, the best that he possibly can. And, you know, let's, let's look for all these funerals and what's a good way to do this sermon. Let's see how Christ did all these funerals. Oh, he raised that one from the dead. 
raise that one from the dead. Well, there's Lazarus. He didn't preach a few. Dale Moody found that through all the different funerals that Christ ever attended, he never had to preach a funeral. He raised every single one from the dead because there's, our Savior has power. Titus 2, 13 and 14 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto him a peculiar people, zealous of good work. Christ has the power of hope and the power of resurrection. We won't read it. Uh, well, uh, no, we won't read it. We know what happens. Jesus, Jesus goes to the tomb and says, remove, remove the stone. And what, what does Martha say? By this time, he stinks. It's been, it's been three days. By this time, he stinketh. Uh, verse, well, now I lost my spot. 39, yes. Jesus said, take, away, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead for four days. Sorry, not three, four days. He stinks even more now. Three days he was pretty bad. Fourth day, whew, it'd be bad. The sad thing is skepticism is very obvious right here. Now, now does Martha really... I mean, which is really interesting because at the beginning of chapter 11, when she first goes out and meets Jesus and says, I, if you would have just been here, you he would have lived. But I know that you're, you're God, and, and whatever you ask of God, God will do. Okay, well, fast forward, I don't know how long it takes to walk to the tomb, and now Christ says, move the stone, and she forgot what she just said. I know you can do whatever you ask of God, God will do, but Lord, it, he stinks. Don't, don't open this tomb. It, he stinketh. But it didn't stop Christ. It, it, oh, you're right. You're right. He does stink. Well, we'll just leave it and move on. No, Christ had a purpose, and the sad thing is skeptics are in most churches, and a lot of churches, that Jesus isn't God. The whole idea of Jesus dying on the cross. Well, he didn't actually die. He just, he just went into a coma. And then three days out later, he, he woke up. He didn't actually die. Lazarus didn't actually die. There's skeptics in many, many churches about the deity of Christ and, and that he has the power to raise from the dead. But he shuts all that up. Four days after somebody dies, they start to decompose. Four days after somebody dies, the law of Jewish law says you cannot enter in. You, can, you can't, once somebody's been dead for four days, the idea of them coming back is done by the law. It's, it's over. It's, they're not in a coma. They're not, they're not sleeping. They're not passed out. It's done. They're dead. Again, Jesus had a purpose. His timing was perfect. If he would have came day two, well, he might have been sleeping. He might have had a coma. He might have been passed out. But according to Jewish law, day four, it's done. 
There's nothing coming back from that. John, verse 41, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Why is he talking out loud? Could, could Jesus have just prayed quietly to, to have Lazarus raised from the dead? Yeah. But he says, verse 42, And I know that thou hast heard me, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that thou, they may believe that thou hast sent me. Christ is doing this all to, to show that he has the power. To show us that he has the power. And one day, he's going to come back and show us that he has the power again. And he's going to show all the skeptics that he has and had and still has and will always have the power to raise from the dead, to do the miraculous. That same voice that calls out here, Lazarus, come forth, is the same voice that's going to say, come up. One day we're, when Christ calls the entire bride of Christ to join him in the air, and that trump of God sounds, we'll join him in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Christ's omnipotence is a comfort. It's not only because he has all the power, but he uses it on our behalf. He, he doesn't just have all the power and, good, I have it all. That's good. I'm done. I don't, I don't, need, don't need to help anybody. I, I just want everybody to know that I have all the power. He uses it in our lives, and he purposefully can give it to us when we go knocking on doors. The power that Christ had dwells in us as Christians. Do you use it? Do, not, not to go raise somebody from the dead, but to tell somebody about Christ. To share with them the gospel, the power of the resurrection that Jesus did. Find comfort and hope in considering his omnipotence. Let's pray, and we'll be done. Heavenly Father, Lord, I... I thank you again for uh, this morning for uh, having a time and a place to be able to come and worship you. Lord, I pray that we, we understand that you control it all. And Lord, that you can even understand what we're going through. And that you can control what we're going through. It's, it's not just that you keep the universe moving and, and everything happening in a large scale. You care about each and every one of us all the way down to the smallest detail. And I pray that we just find comfort in that and we understand that and uh, we look to the one that can uh, make any kind of difference. Well, I pray that you be with uh, Brother Brian as he uh, comes and preach in the second service. I pray that you be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.